The message you're about to listen to is by Reverend Dr. Femi Olaleye of Oikea Christian Center. Remain blessed as you listen. Amen. You know, I'm, I'm a fan of Igbo. I love the Igbo language. Praise God. You know, at first when I met my wife, I thought she was Igbo. You know, praise God. I wouldn't have minded at all. Praise God. Who knows I would have been speaking a lot of Igbo right now. <laughs> praise God. Amen. All right. St. John's Gospel, chapter number one. Everybody, welcome to Midweek Service, our virtual Midweek Service. Kindly ensure you share the live stream. Um, and also, uh, if you are workers, remember that you are supposed to ensure the notes from the service are put on the group after we are done. All right. Kindly ensure we do this. Praise God. Praise God. All right. So, Christ in everything. Today's teaching is going to be very, very loaded. Hallelujah. There's a lot for us to learn. Okay. And uh, I'm going to take my time. So, you have to follow through uh, all of this, um, um, the teaching. Okay. Just remember, ladies and many ministries coming up November 26 to 28. Uh, everyone, please register so that we can know who we are preparing for. All right, because we want to make sure we have those details and we can plan accordingly. Um, also, uh, when five past on this, we had the first um, service last week. And I'm sure it was powerful in all the centers. We are continuing bigger and better this coming Sunday. So let's make sure that we are all um, our hands are on there to participate and receive what the Lord will have for us. Turn your Bible to St. John's Gospel, chapter number one, and verse one. Now it says there, John 1 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, the very first thing I want you to note there is the word in the beginning. In the beginning. The word in the beginning in the Hebrew is Bereshit. Bereshit. Alright? Bereshit. Turn to Genesis chapter number 1 and verse 1. Let me show you something. In the beginning. Bereshit. 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 Alright, the word beginning is Reshit in Hebrew. But when it says in the beginning, it is Bereshit. So you see this word, it says in the beginning God created. In the Hebrew that reads Bereshit Adonai Bara. Bereshit Adonai Bara. What that means that the word Genesis is actually what? In the beginning. Praise God. That is actually the, the title of that book Genesis is the statement in the beginning. So when John says in the beginning was the word, he is referring to where? He's referring to where? Genesis. He's talking about Genesis. So John is doing a summary explanation of Genesis to us in John 1. So John says, all right, I want to unveil something to you from the book of beginning. So he says in the beginning, Bereshit Adonai. All right. 
All right, so he says, in the beginning was the word. So he's saying, Bereshit, all right, was logo. So I'm going to explain certain things to you in a bit. Because I'm going to do a short study on the word, the expression, the word of the Lord. All right, or the word. Praise God. All right, I'm going to do it from the Old Testament and in the New. Praise God. I, I hope time permits us to do that. So it says in the Hebrew, so in the beginning, the Hebrew word for in the beginning is actually Bereshit. So when it says in Genesis 1, when it says in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, what he was saying was, all right, in the beginning, all right, in Genesis, okay. Um, so um, Moses says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But when we come to John, John tells us that, in that beginning, what you should see is not the heaven and the earth. In that beginning, what you should see is what? The Word. Are you seeing that? So that means Genesis 1 is actually a revelation of what? The Word. Glory to God. Now, turn back to John chapter 1. Okay, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So this is the summary of Genesis 1 to you. John is summarizing Genesis 1 to you. In the expression here, when he says, The Word... All right, John uses the word, the Greek word, logos. He uses that word, logos, and I've explained what logos means. Logos is logic. Logo, logos is what? Intent. Logos is the summation of revelation or explanation, all right, of a thought, all right, or a personality. So what logos represents is that if you want to understand the totality of something, you will understand that Thing when you have gotten a grasp of the logos. You want to understand the totality of something, of a subject? Alright, the logos is the summation of the totality of the body of knowledge that speaks to that thing. You understand? So logos is what is said. Alright, it's what is uttered. Logos is speech. But that speech and what is said, what is discussed, contains the full, complete knowledge body that is necessary to understand that subject matter that's what logos means praise god so that means you cannot understand a thing until you hear the logos of it you cannot understand a thing until you understand the logic of it so when he says in the beginning was the logos and the logos was with god and the logos was god what john is telling us is that to understand genesis you must understand the logos is this are you are you with me so far it means that to understand Genesis, you must understand the Logos. To understand Genesis, you must understand the word of the Lord. So without an understanding of the word of the Lord, you cannot understand the beginning. You cannot understand Genesis. Praise God. Now look at the next verse. All right, John chapter 1 and verse 2. What does he say? He says, the same was in the beginning with God. Now look at what he says. He says, the same was in the beginning with God. So when he says the same was in the beginning, so he's saying the same was in Genesis. Are you following? So the reference John is making is to the scriptures. Are you following? Are you following? So what John is trying to show us is that in Genesis, there is a personality you should see in Genesis. Because when you read Genesis 1, what you see is uh, in the beginning God created the heaven. You see God, 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 God there. What John is telling you is that you are supposed to also see a person called the Word there. Because that person called the Word is also God. Hallelujah. That is what he's trying to show us. So you are seeing um, Christ being revealed through John. Alright. But John is trying to expand Christ to us from the book of beginnings, Genesis. Amen. So he says the same was in the beginning with God. 
So that means when you look at Genesis, the word, praise God, is there. Hallelujah. And I'm going to show you. Alright? It says, the same was in the beginning with God. Look at the next verse. He now says what? All things were made by what? Him. And without him was not anything made that was made. So that means he's telling you that the creation story you find in Genesis 1, the person who was involved was who? The word. The word. The person he has introduced to you as what? The word. So when he says all things were made by him, he has already given personality to this word. So the word is not just what was spoken. The word is actually a person speaking. Is this clear? The word is not just what was spoken. The word is actually a person speaking. He said all things were made by him. All right. And without him was not anything made that was made. So that means everything that came to be. The word made there is the Greek word ginomai. So when he says all things was made, were made by him. It means that, all right, what did not exist came into existence by this person called the word. So basically everything we see and we don't see came to be by this person called what? The word. He is the origin of creation. He is the one who created all things. The word. Hallelujah. The word. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Now look at the next verse. Because Genesis 1, what does he have? Number 1, it asks the introduction of God. Is that correct? It says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then it now goes on to say, and the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. Is that correct? So that means we see without form, without void, we see the earth, then we see darkness. Then the next thing we see is what? We see what? Light. So what, what, what we now find this man, um, this apostle doing here is that he's trying to show us the meaning of what we are reading in, in Genesis 1. Look how he says. He now says, in him was what? Was what? Life. And the life was the what? Light of men. So he's not telling you when God said, let there be light in Genesis 1, that light, glory to God, was the light of men. Which means that there is men or mankind between Genesis 1 and when God said, let there be light. Are you following? That's what it means. It means that from Genesis 1 to Genesis 1, um, Genesis chapter 1, um, chapter 1 verse 1, to when God said, and God said, let there be light in Genesis 1, 3, man is there. Where is man? He says, and the earth was without what? Form and void. And there was darkness upon the face of the deep. Alright? That deep we are talking about. He says, and the spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the what? Of the waters. I've showed you many times that waters there is speaking symbolically of nations of men. Is that correct? And darkness, alright, upon nations of men. It is a description of mankind without what? Christ. Praise God. I can't remember. One of the Bible seminars I taught on that, right? Alright. I think that's soteriology. The first one. Yeah. So go and get it if you didn't get it. So when he now says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. So when he says, let there be light, <clears throat> praise God, the light being released on the earth is the light of the gospel, the light and the message Jesus Christ. Is that correct? Are you seeing that? So he says, in him was life. So that means when he says, in him was life, it means that before God said, let there be light. What was prevalent on the earth was what? Darkness and death. Because if you are saying in him was life, it means outside of him there is no what? There is no life. So it says in him was life and the life was the light of men. Praise God. Now look at the next one. It says, and the light shined in what? Darkness. And the darkness could not what? Comprehend it. What darkness is he referring to? The darkness in Genesis chapter 1. 
and there was darkness upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be what? Light. So that light that God released, darkness could not stop it. Praise God. It was a light that overcame and overpowered what? Darkness. The word comprehend is the Greek word katalambano. So, so this is a negation when he says it's not. All right, which means that katalambano is positive. It's not is negative. So it's a compound word. It's a it's a it's a, it's a negation of comprehension of of of, of 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 the word comprehended. What comprehended or katalambano means to seize upon. You understand. To take a hold of. That's what it means. So when he says darkness comprehended it not, it means darkness could not understand it. Darkness could not withstand it. Darkness could not stop it. Darkness was what? Paralyzed in the presence of that light. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Amen. Very, very important for you to follow the flow. And the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Next verse. It now says, now he is coming into where he wants to go to now he now says there was a man sent from god whose name was what was john now he has told us in genesis 1 i'm sorry john 1 to 5 that the identity of this person called the word is divine and this person called the word is the life this person called the word is the light and this person called the word is creator is that clear he now comes to say there was a man which means, all right, the first identity the past person called the word has is divine, not human. Are you following? Because when he says there was a man sent from God, he is not referring to the person called the word. He says there was a man sent from God whose name was what? John or Joanna. This means grace. John is grace. I think that's if I remember correctly, that's what John means. All right. Now he says, whose name was John? Next verse. He says, this the same came to for a witness. So listen, who is a witness? A witness is one that testifies of somebody. Is that correct? A witness is one to give testimony that this person or uh, is to give evidence concerning a matter or someone. So he says, this came, this the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light. So that means John came. To bear witness that this word is the light in Genesis. Are you, are you following? Aha. It is the light prophetically spoken of in Genesis. So that was John's ministry to point out the light. That was his job. He says that all men through him my word might believe. Because when he points them to the light and all men believe, it means that the light will now shine in their darkness and the darkness in their hearts cannot what, comprehend it. Cannot stop it. So John's ministry is to point to Christ that Christ is the light. Now he now says that all men him through him, through him can might believe. Next verse. He now says he was not the true light, but was sent to bear witness of what? Of that light. You see that? Go on. That was the true light which lighted every man that cometh where? Into the world. Glory to God. Next verse. He now says he was in the world. Now, he is now coming. He was in the world. is incarnation. That means this word that was with God at the beginning now came into the world. And he says, and the world was made by him. So he's creator. 
He now says, and the world knew him not. So the world did not know him because the word, all right, did not have light in them. They were darkness. The inability to know is symptomatic of darkness. The inability to know, to discern, is symptomatic of darkness. Light is that which reveals. Light is that which knows. The spirit that knows is the spirit of light. The spirit that does not know is the absence or is proof that the spirit of darkness is at work. The Bible says, all right, the God, if our gospel be he, it he to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world at work blinded. So that means that not knowing and not recognizing the light is a proof that the spirit or the God of this world has placed a blindness on their minds. That's proof of darkness. Are you with me so far? Are you following so far? All right. It now says, He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Next verse. What does he say? Come on now. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Now, that statement, he came unto his own, is a covenant statement. His own. Because the he that came is God. The word. So, unto his own means that they are his own because they were covenanted to him. So, he's referring to they are being his own because of the Abrahamic covenant. So, he came unto his own, he's referring to the Jews. Glory to God. And his own received him not. Now, look at next what he said. He now said, but as many as what? Received him. Are you seeing that? So, then gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe what? On his name. So that means the word of the Lord, glory to God, the name of the Lord is the same person. Hallelujah. Amen. So the word of the Lord, the name of the Lord, the same person. Now next verse. It now says, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now look at 514. It now says, and the word was made what? Flesh. And dwelt what? Amongst us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. If I'm going to be very, very accurate in John 1, I want you to back up two verses. I want to show you something. He says, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Praise God. He now says, go, 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 go. but as many as received him, to them gave he authority to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. John states this before he goes ahead to talk about the incarnation. Which would mean, when he's saying, when he's saying, alright, he came unto his own. And his own received him not. He is talking about the preached of the, um, the, the manifestation of the word of the Lord to the Covenant children or the um, those who were Jews, praise God, before the incarnation, glory to God, but they rejected the word and responded with unbelief. Hallelujah. But out of them, there were those that believed. So, for example, the Bible talks about Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Is that correct? So, the Bible talks about the heroes of faith. It lists David as a hero, hero of faith. He says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. Which means David believed. Glory to God. 
Glory to God. It means Samson believed. So he says that, but as many as received him, to them gave he power. That word power is authority to become sons of God. They were not sons of God. They were given authority to what? To become. Even to them that what? Believe on his name. The consummation of this thing was when he died, he was buried, and he rose from the dead. Because John is giving us a chronological explanation of God's redemption plan in this chapter. So, 14 is incarnation. Man could not be sons of God in vitality before the death of Jesus, before the incarnation. But they were given the right to become if they believed in Christ Jesus before he came. Are you with me so far? It says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That is the incarnation. So he said, full of grace and truth. That is the incarnation. Amen. So we see the following things about the word. Number one, the word was God. Right? The word was God. Number two, the word is creator, true and true. Number three, the word is a person. He has a personality. Number four, the word is life. Praise God. All right. The word is life. Number five, the word is the light of man. And number six, the word is the light that shines in darkness and darkness. Couldn't stop. I've explained all of that. So now let us now do a study on the expression, the word of the Lord. Because, listen. The Bible is consistent. It means, when we say the Bible is consistent, there are certain thoughts, okay, or words that appear all through the scripture. Okay? So, for example, the word like redeem. Alright? Words like sin. Words like uh, salvation. Words like forgiveness. They pass through the entire scripture. Old Testament, New Testament. Words like remission, atonement. Are you seeing that? They are consistent words you see all through. You see. So when you find an expression like the word in the New Testament, you have to go and trace it from the hood. Where exactly it says the word, okay, because, listen, any teaching that seems to imply that there is something new or a new thought in the, old, in the New Testament that was not present in the Old Testament, is heretical. The Old, uh, the New Testament writings do not replace the Old Testament writings. The New Testament writings explain the Old Testament writings. The apostles wrote to explain what was already present in the Old Testament, not to correct it. The Pauline epistles are not a correction of the Old Testament. They are an explanation of the Old Testament. There is something called Bible inerrancy. In that, the Bible is 
correct and accurate true and true no part is at fault no part is wrong they are one body of work with the spirit of god inspiring every single part of the book so the epistles do not correct all right jesus did not correct moses jesus explained moses praise god paul did not correct elijah paul are you following what i'm saying so the the, the apostles didn't correct the prophets they explained their writings that's why we have to be very careful bible teachers must be very careful with what they use because you find that in recent times you had some teachers who seem to imply that there was something prophets did that was wrong and jesus came to correct it so what that communicated was that there were certain things in the old testament that seemed to have been wrong praise god or evil that was not clearly stated to be so in the writings themselves are you seeing that so you cannot impute it yourself you need someone you need an apostle to have said that that thing was evil and if there was no such statement by an apostle you who are you you have no right to say what the scriptures themselves didn't say and what the epistles did not explain about the scriptures praise god praise god very important very important this is very important just a moment very important so you have to answer we have to get this clearly moses isaiah ezekiel the lord of prophets they are the scriptures the epistles are the explanations of the scriptures they are not the corrections of the scriptures they are the what explanations of the scriptures praise god but you see what the epistles have is that all right in their explanations because they encountered encountered the incarnate one that is they encountered jesus christ praise god they saw him they handled him praise god and they've received the spirit of christ in them all right not just upon them they had a better understanding of what the prophet said so they were able to explain it with epignosis full precise and exact word understanding praise god so what the prophets did not understand all right fully they did so the prophets prophesied but inquired to understand the details and the meanings of what they prophesied but the apostles because they had the spirit within and they saw jesus and they were eyewitnesses of his majesty praise god and they were taught by jesus as i'm going to show you for 40 days linking the happenings in his life to the prophetic words of the prophets and to the typologies in the law they were able to see clearly okay this is it this is what the prophets were seeing and this is what they were saying but they fully didn't understand because they had not yet come to the you know the full fullness of of the time when those prophecies were supposed to be manifested so let us do a study on the word of the lord genesis 15 and verse 1 
Are you hearing something so far? How many are enjoying this? Okay. Genesis 15 and verse 1. He says, After these things, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision. Remember, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was what? Was God. Praise God. Now listen. How did Genesis come to be? How did Moses write Genesis? It must have been through the same way. In that the word of the Lord did what? The word of the Lord did what? Are you seeing that? Came unto him. So it says, and after this is the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision. Now look at it. It says, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision saying. So the word of the Lord is a saying word. So the word came unto him saying, fear not Abraham. Now notice, I am. So that means the word of the Lord that came unto Abraham saying is the who, is who? I am. So that means Abraham had an encounter with God. Praise God. All right. Through the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, what does that word, when it says the word of the Lord in Hebrew, is the Hebrew word Dabar. D-A-B-A-R. Dabar. What does Dabar mean? Dabar means, same thing Logos means. It means speech, utterance, matter. A matter discussed. It also means the explanation. Praise God. It means explanation. So it means speech, utterance, matter that reveals purposes and plans. Praise God. Praise God. Now that's the reading. It says, I am thy shield and I am thy what? Exceeding great reward. Pay attention. Pay attention. This, go back. No, no. Uh, I'm showing you something. Now, it says, after this, since the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield, praise God, and thy exceeding great reward. What is this telling you? Now, who did we say the word of the Lord is? The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. That's Jesus, right? Is that correct? Now, the word of the Lord, that's Jesus, comes to Abraham and tells him, Because you have believed. Amen. Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for what? For righteousness. Because you have believed, because I came to you, preached the gospel to you, leave your father's house, leave your mother's house, and go to a land that I was going to show you, you believed and you obeyed. Because of that, I am your shield and thy exceeding what? Great reward. What God is showing us here is that salvation is about God giving himself to us as the gifts. God giving himself to us as the reward. The presence of God is the fruit of salvation. This is what the covenant was about. The covenant was about not about houses and lands. The covenant was about God. God was giving himself to man. God was giving himself to Abraham. Praise God. So when he talks about Abraham's blessings, that is what? God himself. God is the reward. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. So, what is the word of the Lord? What is the summation of the plans and purposes of God? God giving himself to mankind. 
as a gift. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That is what is here. You see that? God gave his only begotten son. Thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Hallelujah. So the exceeding great reward of the man in Christ is that God himself dwells in him. Now look at the next verse. In the next verse, it says what? And Abraham said, Lord God, what will thou give me? See that? See that? God said, I've given you myself. Abraham now comes and says, what will thou give me? Seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. Next verse. Look at it. Pay attention. And Abraham said, Behold to me, thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is my heir. Next verse. What is the word? Now, notice again. And behold, what did he say? The word of the Lord came unto him. Again. So that means the word of the Lord came unto him first. Then the word of the Lord came unto him where? Again. Now he says, saying, this shall not be in thy heir, but it that shall come forth out of thy own bowels shall be what? Thine heir. Now, God speaking here is speaking what? Prophetically. Praise God. Praise God. Because remember, God and Abraham had entered into a covenant, which means they were one. So God is saying to Abraham, your heir will not come after the flesh. Your heir will come after what? After what? The spirit. After the covenant. So he says what? This shall not be thy heir, but he that shall come forth out of thy own bowels shall be thine heir. Praise God. Next verse. He now says what? Next, next, next. And he brought him forth abroad and said now, look at it. Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall, so shall thy seed what be. Now remember in Galatians chapter 3, we are told that Isaac is not the seed. Praise God. He says, and he says, he didn't say unto thy seeds as of many, but unto thy seed as of one, which is Christ. Which means, when God said to Abraham, and the word of the Lord came to him, that this, this one shall not be your heir, but out of thy bowels, all right, a, what do you call it? Your heir will come. He was not referring to Isaac. Who was he referring to? He was referring to what? To Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. He was referring to Christ. Glory to God. He was referring to Christ. Next verse. And he believed. Look at it. And he believed what? So what? Now listen. What did God, what, what did God preach to him here? In Genesis 15. The word of the Lord came to him and said, I will be your reward. So basically, I will be your righteousness. I will be your holiness. I will be all that you, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, all right, the gift. I'm giving you myself as the gift. I'm giving you life. I'm giving you what? Light. Then Abraham now said, I don't have a child. Praise God. He's now saying, I will give you, praise God, myself. But I will give you myself, praise God, in who? In Christ. Hallelujah. And Abraham believed it. So who did Abraham believe in? Abraham believed that God was giving him what? His seed. Who is the seed? Christ. So he believed in Christ. And the Bible says he believed in who? Notice. Look at what he said. Hallelujah. Because sometimes you can miss it. You can miss it. Look at what he says. Back up one verse. And he brought him 
forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, So shall thy what? Thy seed be. Thy seed be. Correct? Correct? So it says, Abraham's seed, this is how it shall be. Is that correct? Now, back up one more verse. It says, And behold, the word of God came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall comfort out of thine bowels shall be thy heir. So I'm mean, talking about this seed. Is that correct? Is that correct? Now, let's go to Galatians chapter 3, quickly so you can see. Galatians chapter 3, and verse 15 and 16. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulled or added thereto. Talking about the Abrahamic covenant. Next verse. Now, to Abraham and his what? His seed were the promises made. He said not unto Caesars of many, but as of one. And to thy what? Seed, which is what? So, who is the seed? Christ. Is this clear? So when God talks about out of thy bowels, he's talking about who? Who is he talking about? So he's saying that I will give Christ to you. Hallelujah. I will give Christ to you as a shield. I will give Christ to you as a reward. Praise God. Then the Bible now says, now go back to this thing. Go back there to um, the book of Exodus 15. I want to show you something now. Praise God. Notice it. Go back there, 15 and 4, quickly. Say, I will give you Christ. Sorry, Genesis 15, 4. Come on, you have to follow the thoughts. If I even I make this, you have to know that I made a mistake. He says, now listen. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be what? Thine heir. So who shall come out of his own bowels shall be his heir? Christ. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing that? Now, next verse. He says, and he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy what seed be. So, so shall thy Christ be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because this is a description of the Christ's generation. Hallelujah. Now, remember in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, he says, What? God said to them, God blessed them and said, Be what? fruitful and multiply and do what replenish the earth is that correct so that means he's talking about a propagation of a particular kind of race all right because in genesis chapter one you see genesis principle there where you're saying that every seed reproduced afterward is kind now before abraham there was a what a multiplication of what of the sin kind on the earth Men without eternal life, men without light inside of them. God now comes to Abraham and calls him out of that race, calls him out of darkness, praise God, and says to him, because you have believed me, I am thy sheet and your exceeding great reward, and I will give you the Christ. Come on. Amen. I will give you what? The Christ. And... After I, because I've given you the Christ, the Christ will multiply on the earth. Like stars in heaven. Because stars in heaven is heavenly. It's not of the earth. Praise God. It says, like stars in heaven, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, show thy seed be. So that means this is talking about a spiritual race. Hallelujah. Now next verse. Amen. What did he say now? And he what? Who did he believe in? Now, did he say he believed the message? Is it the message you are talking about? It was the person. Which means, Abraham believed in the person that was talking to him. 
Abraham believed in the Lord, and the Bible says, and who counted it? The Lord counted it to him for what? For righteousness. So that is what John was calling and to them that received him, to them believe him, uh, to them he gave the what? The authority to become what? The sons of God. It was a promise reload. The right to become sons of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you see that the word of the Lord here talks about the revelation of God's plan. What is God's plan? To give himself to man. What is God's plan? To give Christ as a gift to man. Hallelujah. To them that believe. Amen. Amen. So we, let's look at other examples of that expression, the word of the Lord. Numbers chapter 23. Numbers 23 and verse 5. Now you see the same thing. And the Lord put a word. You see this? And the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth. And Balaam and said, Return unto Balak, and thus thou shalt speak. Notice now what Balaam said. Next verse. And he returned unto him, and lo, he stood by his bond sacrifice, he and all the princes of Moab. Next verse. He now says, Well, and he took up this parable and said, Balak, the king of Moab, had brought me from Aram, out of the mountains of this, saying, Come, curse me, Jacob, and come, defy Israel. Next verse. How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? Or how shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied? Next verse. For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. Lo, the people shall dwell alone, and shall not be reckoned among the nations. Next verse. Who can count the dust of Jacob, and the number of the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous, and let my last end be like his. Next verse. Alright. And Balak said, so what you see here is that when he says, and the word of the Lord was put, that word is Dabar. So what you see now is that the word of the Lord is representative of the revelation of God's plans and purposes. So God's plans and purposes, praise God, amen, is the word of the Lord. So when you see every time where the word of the Lord, and the word of the Lord came to this, and the word of the Lord came to that, he's talking about God's plans, all right, and purposes, praise God, that pre-existed the beginning. Amen. Amen. Look at this, Deuteronomy chapter 4. And verse 2, and because it's the word of the Lord, you don't add to it. You are to just tell it as you heard it. Because the word of the Lord is representative of God's plans and purposes, minus the purpose, thoughts, and plans of men. He says, you shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it. That he may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Now, why do you find this in the book of Deuteronomy? Now, what is the book of what is Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy means second law. Deuteronomy. All right. Nomos. That's law. All right. Nomos. So when you see, so it's Deuteronomy or Deuteronomia. So that's law. So when it says Deutero, is second law. Now, why is it? Why did they say second law? The reason is because the first time God gave Moses the law. Moses came down from the mount and he saw that the children of Israel had gone into idolatry. And what did Moses do? He broke it. Are you following? You understand? He broke it. So Moses now had to write the law again a second time. Are you seeing that? So because he had to write the law again, he's now this book is Deuteronomy, which is what? Writing again what I've written before. Do you get it? Do you understand? So it's second law, Deuteronomy. Praise God. 
Praise God. All right. Second law. All right. But, you know, you can also call Deuteronomy new law. Because I don't, there's no book. Jesus quoted a lot from the book of Deuteronomy. A lot from the book of Deuteronomy. And statements, for example, like, um, where, where it says, um, when he talks about um, Romans 10, 17. He said, do not say, um, where's the word? Should we go to heaven to bring God down? Or should we go to earth to bring him up? Where is the word? The word is nigh thee, even in thy heart and mouth, even which is the word of faith which you preach. So that statement is Deuteronomy. So I, I want, as we go on, I will, we will look at the book of Deuteronomy and begin to see some things from in, in there. You understand? Now, but you see, he said, you shall not add unto the word which I command you. The reason why you must not add to it is because the revelation itself is complete. And it's what? A summation of God's plans and purposes for man. So don't add your philosophy to it. Don't add to it. Don't take from it. Praise God. Amen. Look at Joshua chapter 1 verse 13. I'll round up a lot of time. Joshua chapter 1 verse 13. Glory to God. Joshua chapter 1 verse 13. What does it say? It says, remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. That word is Dabar. Saying, the Lord your God had given you what? Rest. And had given you what? This land. He said, the Lord thy God has given you what? Rest. And had given you this land. So he says, the Lord thy God had given you rest. Then if you go to Matthew chapter 11 verse 25. Turn in there. Matthew eleven twenty-five. You are now going to see who is this Lord thy God. That gives that gave Joshua rest. Alright. He now says, At that time, alright, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast eaten these things from the wise and prudent and has given them unto babies. Next verse. No, this is something wrong. Come unto me, all you that ever led in. I don't think that's where. Uh, and I will give you rest. Take your look upon me. For my body is easy and your look is... That's much, you know. And 28. He said, come unto me, all ye that are what? Labor. And what? Are what? Every lady. And I will give you what? Rest. So, the rest that Joshua was referring to, alright, was prophetic. So what we read in Joshua chapter 1 verse 13, when he says, the word which Moses thy servant said, the Lord has given you rest praise God, was prophetic. Because in Hebrews chapter 4, uh, Paul says that if Joshua had given them rest, then why there was there another rest being spoken about? You understand? Alright? So, the rest was prophetic because that rest was not outside or was not possible outside of the person of Jesus. So, Jesus is the one that says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavenly, and I will give you rest. So, wherever you see the word of the Lord being used, it is actually prophetically referring to God's plan and his purposes in the person of Jesus Christ. So, always examine the word of the Lord in tandem with God's plan for salvation. And the word of the Lord came unto Elijah. When you take it, examine it in context with salvation. Because the word of the Lord reveals God's plans and purposes for mankind in connection to Christ Jesus. Very important, you must never forget it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's do another example. Ezra chapter 1 verse 1. Ezra chapter 1 verse 1. It says what? The word of the Lord. 
Quickly, Ezra 1, verse 1. Are you sleeping? Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, look at it. He says, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah be what? So that means that, that which Jeremiah prophesied, amen, was connected to the Christ. And it was necessary for whatever he prophesied to happen for the Christ's, the prophecies concerning the Christ. God's plans and purposes through the Christ will be fulfilled. Are you following? All right. And I'm going to show you in a bit how that, you know, is connected. So you will see it because in the book of Hebrews, we have the explanation of that. Amen. So look at Isaiah chapter 23, verse 13. He tells us that the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept. You will see this. He says, all right, Isaiah 28 and 13. Praise God. Alright, it says, But the word of the Lord was unto them what? Precept upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little and there a little. You see that? That they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. Praise God. Alright? Now, you see one beautiful uh, thing here. Because if we go to Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1. We're going to look at that now. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1. He says, God, who at sundry times, right, and in diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. You will miss something powerful here if you don't study it. The key words are sundry times, and diverse manners. The word diverse manners is polutropos. Polu means many. Tropos means manner. Alright? That means manner has to do with the ways he did it. But sundry times, that word is polu meros. Polu many. Meros means portions. Portions. So, what is this scripture actually saying? What is it communicated? Look at Amplified Version of Hebrews 1 1. It says, In many, listen, Hebrews 1 1 Amplified. It says, In many separate revelations. You see that? In many what? So, that means there were many, and the word of the Lord came unto him. Are you seeing that? And the word of the Lord, so the word of the Lord came unto Abraham. The word of the Lord came unto Noah. The word of the Lord came unto Enoch. The word of the Lord came unto David. The word of, so there were many separate what? Revelations. Are, are you following? Many. So it says in many separate revelations. Each of which set forth a portion of what? Of the truth. See that? So Pelumeros is... Many separate revelations, each revelation had a portion of the truth. So that means if each revelation had a portion of the truth, how do you get the all of the truth? By reading everything what? Together. Is this clear? So that means you must read David 
You must read Elijah. You must read uh, Samuel. You must read uh, Abraham. You must read Moses. You must read Ezekiel. You must read all the separate revelations to have the old truth. For each prophet had a portion. That's why Jesus is not called a truth. He is called the truth. Why? Why is Jesus called the truth? Because all the separate revelations point towards to him. So Jesus is not truth in many separate revelations. He is the truth all the many separate revelations were pointing to. Hallelujah. So he said, in many separate revelations, each of which set forth a portion of the truth. And in different ways. So the different ways has to do with visions, dreams, appearance of angels, all those things. Those are the different ways that those many separate revelations came. God spoke of all to our forefathers in and by the prophets. You see this? Are you paying attention now? He spoke in and by the prophets. So the prophets is plural. Is that correct? The prophet is what? Plural. So there were many agents. Many separate revelations. Many ways God did it. Alright. But they were a portion of the truth. Now look at the second um, verse. Look at uh, Hebrews 1-2. Okay, you found the Amplified. Look at what it now says next. Amplified. It says, but in the last of these days, he has what? Spoken to us in the person of his son. You see that? So that means all of what those guys said, praise God, Jesus is now saying everything at once. Letting us know that all those many separate, separate revelations were pointing to one person and one person alone, him. Look at St. Luke's Gospel. Luke 24. So why did each prophet could only set forth the portion of the truth he had? What Jesus did in his teaching ministry, if you notice, as I'm going to show you, especially in his... Notice that Jesus always did something, even when he taught pre-resurrection. Jesus would say the law and the prophet. In the law and the prophets. Law and prophets. Jesus was the person that used the, law, that the term law and the prophets a lot. Which means that when Jesus taught, Jesus taught what the law and the prophets were saying. Which is what everyone, all the many separate revelations were pointing to. So for example, if you say, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your heart, with all your soul. And love your neighbor uh, as, um, love your neighbor as yourself. On this hang all the law and the word prophet. So basically... Instead of picking the many separate revelations, Jesus tells us the totality of what they were saying. Are you seeing that? So, Jesus brought epignosis to us, so, so to speak, about a full exact. But there was a limit to what Jesus could teach us because he couldn't give epignosis in full. There was a part he couldn't communicate because the people he was talking to lacked the capacity to understand it. So he said, there are many things I want to teach you, but you don't have capacity to understand it yet. 
how be it when the spirit of Alitia, the, that spirit of truth there, remember. Oh, glory to God. Remember, the prophets brought many separate revelations without a portion of the truth. Jesus is the truth of what they were saying manifested. Now, Jesus now says, when the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into what? All the truth. Amen. So that means what the spirit of truth will come and do is that by the time he comes and opens your eyes, there is nothing that you need to see you will not see. And that which the spirit of truth was coming to do was actually now fulfilled in the epistles. So the epistles, praise God, are what Jesus wanted to say. Amen. But could not what? Could not see. Because his audience did not have life in them. His audience didn't have the spirit in them. And therefore, they could not come to a fullness of understanding of what he would tell them. So Jesus limited himself to what they could undo. And even at that, they killed him for it. Praise the Lord. Which shows you that there was a limitation in their understanding. Are you so? so this is why, for example, in the New Testament, a New Testament teacher cannot come and be talking about mysteries. Amen? The mystery of this, mystery of that. No, there are no mysteries in Christ. Mm -mm. There are no mysteries in Christ. It is all revealed in Scripture. Any mystery that is not in Scripture, anything that is, uh, any, uh, what do you call it now? Any mystery you are advocating for, that is not in scripture as heresy. Praise God. Prayer is not a mystery. It's revealed in scripture. You see, people don't understand what mystery is. They think they are talking English. Mystery, alright, actually communicates exclusion. Because mystery is a knowledge that belongs to initiated people. So it is not a mystery to those who are initiated. It is a mystery to those who are not. So when you are talking about mystery to children of God, what you are implying is that they are outside of God. So are you following? That way I'm implying. So it is not mystery, it is revelation. So revelation is, it was covered. We have now uncovered it because you are now inside. You are now initiated. You are now inside the coven. You follow. So it is no longer a mystery to do. We have to unveil it to you. So in the body of Christ in church, we teach what is unveiled. Revelation. No veil. It is not covered. It is not a mystery. It is revealed. The Holy Ghost is not called the spirit of mystery. It is called the spirit of what? Of knowledge. Which is spirit of light. So that means the Holy Spirit is one, the ones who reveals. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes certain texts are exoteric. You know, when we start talking about portals and dimensions and ascents and openings and windows and forests, vibration and things like that. So it makes them look very spiritual. But I've always said and I will always repeat, please, we must never use unbiblical words to communicate biblical truths. I'll say that again. 
We must never use unbiblical words to communicate biblical truths. The reason is because you will not begin to sign, sound like Christian scientists and those who are in the occult. Things like vibrations, they are occultic, occults that communicate that way. Buddhists, they are the ones that communicate that way. New Age people, they are the ones that communicate that way. I remember I heard some people say that they are Christian mystics. You are not born again. You are not, you are not serious people. How can you be a Christian mystic? How can you be using such things to decide the value? It's like a Christian magician or a Christian witch. It's an oxymoron. Is that not an oxymoron? Yet? Very confusing. It's like saying light darkness. Amen. Or someone's, someone's name is uh, Mercy Depay. You understand? I can mercy and depart being the same thing. You understand what I'm talking about? Tomorrow. Praise God. It doesn't work. Amen. 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 It's like saying my name is Lacazette Henri. <laughs> Do you understand? Do you get? Amen. Glory to God. Amen. You see? So we must use Christian words. Hallelujah. So there are no mysteries in the kingdom of God. They are mysteries in the kingdom to the sinner. Because the sinner is what? Outside. Amen. Kingdom truths are mysterious to the unbeliever. But they are plain to the believer. In fact, ability to understand kingdom truths is what tells whether a man is a believer or not. First Corinthians 2. He says what? The things of the spirit are what? Are what foolishness to them that are what? Huh? All right. But to us who have received the Spirit, all right, they are plainly known to us. So that means capacity to understand easily is actually one of the signs you are born again. That you have the Spirit of God inside of you. Look at First Corinthians. 2. Let's look at the First Corinthians two quickly. That's not the version. I'll come back. First Corinthians two and verse five. First Corinthians 2 and 5. It says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Next verse. Albeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, not yet the wisdom of this world, nor the peace of this world that come to not. Next verse. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Now listen, look at it. So when it says we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, you will find that with a mystery too now. It says, even the eating wisdom. Even the what? Eating wisdom. So that means it is wisdom. It is in a mystery. The mystery is mysterious. That means I'm speaking in coded speech. Are you seeing that? So if I'm speaking in coded speech, it means that it is coded to a group of people. They can't understand. He said, I'm speaking the wisdom of God in coded speech. Even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before what? The world unto what? So that means this wisdom was ordained in Genesis. Are you following? Now look at the next verse. It now says, which none of the princes of this world what? So that means it was a mystery to the princes of which world? This world. So mystery is relative. He said, for had they known it, so they didn't know. They would not have what? Crucified the what? The Lord of glory. Look at the next verse. But as it is written, I had not seen, nor what? Here had, neither have entered into the heart of what? Man, the things which God had prepared for them that what? Love him. So that means natural man is a mystery to him. But look at the next verse. But God. Everyone say, but God. Everyone say, but God. He said, but God at what? 
revealed them unto us by so that means the mystery has been revealed to them that have what the spirit glory to god for the spirit such all things here the deep things of god next verse all right for what man knoweth the things listen now for what man knoweth the things of a man say the spirit of man which is in him even so the things of god knoweth no man but what the spirit of god next verse it now says now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit which is of god that we might what so it's not mystery to the man with the spirit of god hallelujah he can understand it so whenever you are teaching a concept from scripture that people cannot understand and everybody understanding is understanding his heresy there's no mystery 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 that you are speaking heresy. amen praise god you are speaking what heresy. you have to be able to teach it see that's why i'm always careful of people that can talk and teach for two hours and they are not opening bible you understand it's human philosophy Jama jama, jama jama. You have jama. I'm just talking. People are hmm. Listen, you can't grow like that. You cannot. Growth is based on the words. Not shall I. It's not talk. It's words. Hallelujah. The word you have to is the word. It's the word. You can't grow like that. <laughs> Amen. I want to come to just talk. Ah, oh, let's explain this thing from scripture. Yeah, now let's let's dig in. Let's dig in. Hallelujah. Our folks, look, revival is clear. When there's revival, you cannot have revival without the word. The first revival is a revival of the word. Hallelujah. The first revival is what? Revival of the word. First one is the revival of the word. Go and check every revival that ever happened. The word was the center of it. Any revival without the word as the center will lead to a multiplication of spiritism. Spiritism. Glory to God. Amen. Now, so remember what we said that in the Old Testament, they set forth a portion of the truth. Is that correct? Now, look at what Jesus did in Luke 24 and 27. Let me just run. This is my last scripture. I hope this thing was not hard to understand. Please, if you are following and you understand, can you just put I understand in the chat? Everybody just say, I understand. Glory to God. Just, I understand. Just because I'm enjoying, I'm learning. Let me see your feedback. Praise God. Amen. It's important we know what, that you are following. You know. <laughs> I don't want to preach myself happy and preach you sad. Luke 24 and 27. Let me show you something. Now, Jesus was walking with these guys from the, on the way to Emmaus. Is that correct? And they were talking about, oh, Jesus died. They said he had been the one to be Messiah, blah, blah, blah. Look at what Jesus said. Can we back up to like 25? I want to show you something. I want to show you something. He said, then he said unto them, Who fools and slow of art to believe all that what? All that the what? The prophets. Now notice it's not one prophet. Several prophets. Remember? Alright. In many separate what? Revelations. Setting forth a portion of the truth. So that means each prophet set forth what? A portion. Important. In fact, the gospel writers applied that approach when they wrote. So you found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, what the synoptic gospels did was that each writer 
took a portion of the revelation of Jesus and focused on it. So Matthew focused on Jesus the king. Amen. Mark focused on Jesus the servant. Luke focused on Jesus the man. And John focused on Jesus God. That is why Matthew gives us the genealogy of Jesus. Luke gives us the genealogy of Jesus. But Mark does not give us the genealogy of Jesus. Do you know why he didn't give us the genealogy of Jesus? Because you do not know the genealogy of a servant. The first servant is unknown. So he's an unknown person. Hallelujah. Matthew gives us genealogy because Jesus is king and he traces the lineage of Jesus to David. You see that? It shows us that this Jesus has a right to sit on the throne. Hallelujah. He has a right to sit on the throne. And you know, Jesus was a son of David via two lineages. He was a son of David through Solomon. And he was a son of David through Nathan. Nathan and Solomon were sons of David. Mary was, uh, was uh, is a daughter or the seed of David through Nathan. Why? What is his name now? Uh, Joseph was a son of David through who? Through who? Through Solomon. But here is the funny thing, wonderful thing. Because, pay attention to what I want to share with you. This is just side revelation. Because. Hmm? <laughs> Hallelujah. Note that Joseph was the foster father of Jesus. Which means, because he was the foster father of Jesus Christ, and his DNA is not in Jesus, it means, technically speaking, Jesus cannot claim the throne of David through who? Joseph. Because Joseph was not his father. So, because of that, legally speaking, Jesus claims the throne of David through Nathan. So, if you contest Jesus' right to the throne through Solomon's lineage, you cannot contest his right to the throne through who? Nathan's lineage. That's step one. Step two. Reason why... Jesus couldn't be, we can't say he's the son. That's why Jesus is not called the son of Solomon. He's called the son of who? David. Because if you call him the son of Solomon, you'll be wrong. He's called the son of what? David. Now, let me tell you another one. There was a king called Jeconiah. Jeconiah was a very rebellious king. And a word came to a prophet where he prophesied to Jeconiah that none of your lineage will be seat on the throne of David. So, Jeconiah's line was cursed. Are you following? This is the book of 2 Kings. Jeconiah's line was cursed. Which meant God never intended for Jesus to sit on the throne of David through Jeconiah's line. Jeconiah came through Solomon's line. Which meant that the only other line that was acceptable would be what? Nathan. Praise the Lord. That one is side revelation. Go and study it. Let's continue. St. Luke 24. Uh -huh. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. So, this means that 
all the prophets have spoken is what they are supposed to believe. Is this clear? So, oh, fool said, uh-huh. All have spoken. Next verse, he now says, verse 26, Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter where? Into what? His glory. Now look at verse 27. Pay attention. And what? Beginning at what? Moses and all the world. So remember, he set forth portion of the truth. Glory to God. Praise God. In many separate what? Revelation, each of which set forth a portion of the truth. This is Hebrews 1 1. So, what Jesus now does is that Jesus takes the entire things in all of those books, all what all of those prophets said, and he now says, Next one, he was expounded unto them. 27, please don't have one. He expounded unto them in what? So, that means he left no scripture unquoted. In all the scriptures, the things concerning what? And the scriptures let us know that Jesus Christ did this when he tells us in fullness in Acts chapter 1 verse 3. He did this for 40 days. Jesus went through all the scriptures systematically for 40 days every day. Can you imagine a teaching, a teaching meeting that is 40 days? Forty days. They did nothing for forty days except they what? Heard the word. The Bible does not tell us they prayed. Who are they praying to? Jesus was there. But for forty days, he was teaching them. What does this tell you? Unveiling Jesus from the scriptures is not picnic. Unveiling Jesus via the scriptures is not a. Uh, McDonald's, it's not fast food. It is painstakingly done. It takes time. It takes days. So that means volume one, Christology, 40 days. So imagine we wanting to have the impact the apostles have had without their training. How is it going to happen? These people started ministry with a 40-day teaching daily with Jesus himself. And what was he showing them? Scripture. Jesus didn't come back and say, you see when I was in hell, you see there's a corner of hell, they not turn sides. He, he, he didn't come to tell us about stories of people. No, he came back to teach the scriptures because he wanted them to know him from what? The scriptures. He didn't want them to know him from we touched you. We saw his eyes. No. Notice that no disciple told us the color of Jesus' eyes. No disciple described his physical morphology. How many of you noticed that? None. Nobody did. In John, it was a vision. Why? Because that was not what was important. What was important was identifying him from scriptures. So he said in all the scriptures, all right, he expounded unto them. This word expounded, let me just explain it to you then we close. Because the teaching series, we can continue next week. The word expounded is the Greek word diamenio. Diamenio. What does it mean? It means to unfold the meaning of what he said. 
to unfold the meaning of what he said. And let me shock you. It also means to translate into one's native language. Do you know something? <laughs> the Bible at the time of Jesus that they used to read was the Greek Septuagint. Was the Greek, it wasn't Hebrew. It was what? The Greek Septuagint. But Jesus spoke to his disciples in Aramaic. Are you following? Are you following? Are you following? What that means is that Jesus would have quoted the Old Testament in Greek. Then interpreted it in what? Aramaic. Why? Because the disciples were unlearned men who were not skilled in Greek. Are you following? So Jesus would have needed to what? Translate. So diamenio means to translate from one language to another. So he needed time to teach them. So that is why when the disciples now began to teach in Acts, what did you find out those Sanhedrin guys said? They said, how do this one know scriptures? Having never what? Learned. Which means Jesus taught them so much that they could pass for learned men. Ignorant believers at times are the product of a lazy Bible teacher. But also, ignorant believers are the product of lazy believers. Because a man can teach you and teach you, but if you don't listen, you'll be an ignorant person. So, for example, how do you know you're lazy? How many of the we have put the messages on the web website? Oikasc.org. We have put the messages on Telegram. There we say we put videos every day, one, one minute. All the videos of the missus they are streamed, we leave it on YouTube. You can find it on Facebook. So, Ogweni, my question to you is this. How many messages have you listened this week? Ministry message. The telegram channel of this ministry will, be, will stand against you on the day of judgment. Because you would have not produced what you ought to have produced based on the messages you had listened to or you were exposed to. Hallelujah. Pastor, there is no time, but you have watched Squid Game. All the episodes, you've watched it, but you have no time. Work is tiring. It's so tiring. I work this thing, but you have time for Squid Game. You have time for a boyfriend, for outing. But you didn't have time to listen to one message a day. When we ask you what is justification, you can't explain it. You can only sing, I am justified. You can't show us scriptures about justification. We ask you about Zoe. You say you don't know. And Zoe is not life. Life of God. I have the life of God in me. Explain it. What does it mean? Show us scripture. You can't. And there are several scriptures. Praise God. At least I can say that I have not been a lazy pastor to you. I have taught you. Hallelujah. So if you are ignorant, is you is you and the angels of God and God that will say to that one. 
I have many messages. I would just be pulling them. So we just go there and I say, Lord, can I get my iPad, please? I left it on the air. And I'll begin to show him, Lord, I taught them this, I taught them this, I taught them this. I reminded them, I told them to send notes. I did this, I did this, I did it, Lord. I even prayed for them that they want to enter. And I banned and casted, I said, out, 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 enter, enter, enter. These ones, they produce. But Lord, these ones, I don't know. Amen. So Lord, I seek claim my reward. Even though I, yeah, yeah son, what I can, what's my own? Amen. You cannot be ignorant. You cannot, you need to give yourself to the word. So Jesus took 40 days to teach them. Look at Acts 1. I'm going close. Acts 1, 3. Look how he says. Quickly. 40 days. He taught them for 40 days. Think about it. Jesus rose from the dead. And he rose up teaching. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? Listen to me. Watch me. Watch. The most important ministry or the ministry that we see Jesus walking post-resurrection was teaching ministry. So you are important the teaching ministry what? Is. Praise God. I said praise God. Look at what it says. Acts 1, right, verse 3. What does it say quickly? Are we there? To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. Being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things what pertaining to the kingdom of God. So he taught them the things pertaining to the kingdom for 40 days. Teaching them from the laws and prophets. Praise God. Have we learned anything today? Can we just lift our hands towards everyone and just bless his name? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Amen. Remember, gospel truths are not a mystery to you. You have the spirit that knows. You have the spirit that understands. You have just listened to a message by Reverend Dr. Femi Olale of Oikea Christian Center. For other messages, visit our website at www.oikeacc.org. Remain blessed.